thank you guys for being here. Uh, my name is Pastor Josh Knippa. I won't give you a whole lot of my biography because we have a limited time uh, here, but uh, I'm excited to be visiting with y'all uh, today. Uh, and so the uh, topic of conversation here, uh, is the sky really blue? And uh, just to elate maybe some of your fears, uh, this is not meteorology. That's not what we're gonna work on today. Uh, so if you're here for that, you probably wanna to go to something else and maybe somebody else can come in, I don't know. Uh, but the, the question though uh, of, is the sky really blue? I pose that uh, because uh, in our day and time, uh, there are so many of our beliefs and ideas, observations, and things we see to be facts uh, that are constantly under scrutiny, being questioned, being challenged. Uh, and sometimes it can be uh, difficult to discern what's the top, what's on bottom, what, what, what's really going on here. And so uh, what I want us to do is to examine uh, some of these ideas. Uh, I want us to look, uh, well, I was thinking last night, uh, the the question that uh, Pastor Harry uh, Grimes was talking about, the questions, these difficult questions of life, what is happening, what's going on, what do we do when bad things happen? Uh, and uh, I thought that the, the whole gathering and the mass event last night did a good job of, of bringing us to this place. We're like, well, it's not our job to answer the question why, but instead it's to understand who we belong to, right? And what our identity is in Christ. And so uh, I wanna walk down some of those paths a little bit just to say that we will always have those questions and what is our framework in which we view that and, and go forward uh, with that. Uh, so the last part of the, uh, the blurb that I gave for you uh, in your guidebook about uh, answering the, these questions about the Christian faith. Uh, I don't know how many of those we'll be able to do, but I'm glad that we have a little extra time. We're starting early. So uh, if you want to ask some questions and pose those, uh, I will give you that opportunity. You can uh, send a text to 573-227-8627. And this will be on each slide, so you don't have to write it down. It'll be there. If something comes up during the presentation, you can you can go ahead and send that in. Uh, you can tweet me at, at Josh Knippa and and that's my name. And so that's my Twitter. Uh, and so you can tweet those in and uh, I'll answer as many as I can at the end. Uh, if I don't get to your question at the end, I'll probably stick around. I don't know if they'll kick me out of this room or not, but I'll be somewhere if you wanna talk a little bit more afterwards. And uh, I'll be here the next couple of days. So if uh, there's a bunch of questions and you can come back, but the people who didn't get to come in today, they'll be mad at you if you come back. So maybe don't try that. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right. So I wanna start with this idea and this question and this Bible verse actually from Ecclesiastes 7 verse 29, it says, see this alone I found that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. And that is to say that God made us, our first parents, Adam and Eve, made us in his image and likeness. Uh, and then from there, it's been schemes. Right, So the serpent proposes a scheme to Eve. And then Eve shares that with Adam. And then Adam, because of that, it goes to you and it goes to me uh, and it goes throughout all of humanity. And so when we have and encounter a truth that God has given us either in his word by that direct revelation uh, or by the revelation that he's given us in creation, uh, when God gives us the truth, man always finds a reason to get around it or walk around it or, or find something different and explain something different. And we see this all the time. 
And anytime we see something that we know to be true turned in a different way, that is the work of the serpent and that's the schemes and the way that they are playing out, all right? Uh, So as we examine this, I wanna first set up a few fundamental questions of human existence uh, and then ask how do we view those and, and what do we look at them? So here they are, the fundamental questions of human existence. Sounds really important. We're about to do some work, kids. All right, here we go. Number one, number one question, who am I? Right, question that everybody asks, everybody wants to have an answer to. Okay, who am I? Why am I here? What's the point? What's the, what's the reason? Where did I come from? Where am I going? All right. Now, in order to examine these, let me give you an, an, a corollary that goes along with this. All right, who am I? Uh, where, where am I going? Excuse me. Who am I? Why am I here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? All right. This first one, who am I? This is a question of identity, right? Who am I? Well, we got to know. Why am I here? This is a question of meaning and purpose, right? How's this thing going to go? Where did I come from? This is a question of origin, okay? The beginning. What does the beginning look like? This last one, where am I going? This is a question of destiny, not the video game, but actual destiny, all right? So uh, as we look at this, let's just kind of go through these uh, in terms of the Christian faith that most of you guys have been raised in for, for your whole lives, okay? So if we're asking this, who am I? The question of identity. Well, I am an image bearer of God, right? Because of that, I have innate and inherent dignity, value, and worth just by the fact that I was made by God in his image, all right, that sets us apart from the angels, that sets us apart from animals, that sets us apart from every other part of creation. This is identity. And furthermore, if you're a Christian, there's a whole nother step there, right? Because if you're a Christian, it means that you are a redeemed child of God as well. We talked a little bit about some of that last night. I will be talking about it throughout the course of the gathering. So that's identity. Uh, I would say as well that we define our identity on the basis of relationships. Now, the number one relationship, I'll save that for a little bit lower, uh, but think about it, your relationships, right? You are a son, you are a daughter, you are a brother, you are a sister, you are a grandson, you are a granddaughter. Uh, It's my prayer that someday you will be a husband, you will be a wife, and someday you will have, uh, you will be father, or you will be mother. You are a, right now, you are a friend, you are a student. We could do a, a number of these, but these are all in answer to the question of identity. Next one. Wait, I'm sorry, back up. I'm gonna keep it on there without clicking. So why am I here? That's our next one, the question of meaning and purpose, all right? If you are a Christian, why am I here? You are here to glorify God in everything that you do. You are here to make much of Jesus in everything that you do. And you will do that in all of the above, right? You will do that in all of your relationships. You will do that in all of your actions and just in your relationship with other people, the most important person in that relationship is Jesus, see? And that's what allows those relationships to grow and to become closer, right? 
Where did I come from? This question of origin. Well, you are a created being, which means that you have a creator, right? And you have a relationship with your creator. So I said, I skipped that with relationships. So I skipped the most important one. The number one relationship that you have is your relationship with God. Uh, and so, and this goes all the way back, and this is important because it's all first article stuff, right? In this, he daily, right? And richly provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. So, we're, so that's your origin from the Father. When we get to this, I did it again. Where am I going? My destiny. Well, once again, if you are a Christian, it's where you're at with this is you have Jesus now, and because of Jesus, you will have a resurrected physical body in the new heaven and the new earth. So what scripture talks about. And so when you're a Christian and we're talking about identity and meaning and origin and destiny, we're talking about the fundamental questions of human existence, this is what it looks like for you. Now, some of you know these answers and maybe not in exactly the way that I've laid them out, the catechism lays them out in kind of a different way, but it's all there, right, if you think about it. But you may be in a place now where you're asking, but what about what other people say? But I heard this over here. But I learned this in this place. I heard this message put forth in this movie or on this website or whatever else it is, and I wanna know, is this right? Is this thing that I'm hearing Right is this thing that all, every person in my life who has ever loved me and cared for me has been teaching me, is that really true? Big questions. Now, I do wanna say that I hope that everybody in this room is asking or starting to ask and starting to wrestle with some of these questions. And your pastors, your leaders, your teachers, people who love your parents, people who love and care about you, they want to help you through these questions. The reason that these things are happening now, it's actually very interesting because there are uh, some people who very much enjoy working with teenagers, people your age. There's some people who really do not. Um, and I think those people have their own set of issues when they don't like working with teenagers and, and even a little bit younger than you. Uh, and I've heard people complain about it and they're like, well, I can't work with teenagers because they're so sarcastic all the time. Uh, to which I respond with a sarcastic comeback, right? It's the only thing else you could say to that. Um, but I do wanna, when somebody says, I wanna explain to them, here's what you need to understand, that they're in a place where their brains are developing in such a way that they're just now starting to understand sarcasm and they're just practicing on you, right? And so it is, it's this, and so as your brain develops and, and, and things like that happen and chemicals are released in there, uh, this is when you start asking these extra level questions about what's really going on and what is life really all about? And so what I want is for you to have a safe place, safe places where you can talk about this stuff, ask these questions, get answers, uh, and all the rest of that. So uh, I hope you're in good community. I know that your churches care about you because they cared about you enough to send you here. And so I hope, and I want that to be the main place where you get answers to some of this stuff. 
Now, uh, as I've set that up, uh, and, I would, and I wanna say it is good for you to be asking questions about the world in which you live uh, because you need to know about the world in which you live. Now, I wanna contrast this with uh, America's, today's American culture. And I wanna look at things uh, that are set up that way because these questions, who am I, why am I here, where did I come from, where am I going, okay? Non-Christians, people who don't know Jesus, they are asking these questions also, okay? And so what is it and how did they find the answer to these questions? What are, how are they answering the questions, okay? And how is this going to lead uh, to, well, this will lead to the creation of a culture. And so today we'll be looking at American culture kind of as we know it, once again, using our same framework that we've set up from before, okay? So in our current culture, the question of identity, who am I? What would our culture say? I think our culture would say, I'm me, right? To which I would answer, I would question, well, so what? What does it mean that you're you? Say, well, it means I'm a human being. Uh, I have people who love me. Say, okay, very good, very interesting. And then they would also, our culture also takes one more step and, and defines us on the basis of different people groups that we happen to be a part of, right? So our culture will define us on the basis of our race or on the basis of our class or on the basis of our orientation or on the basis of our income or on the basis of our gender or you know, we could put other uh, things that are there, okay? Identity. How about the second question? Why am I here? What is my meaning? What is my purpose? What is the answer from our culture? I think our culture would say, well, that's for you to figure out, right? It's very American. It's for you to figure out. Next one, where did I come from? The question of origin, okay? And they say, well, you came from your parents. Okay, I understand that. And if you have questions about that, you should go see my girl, Pam Stenzel, because she'll tell you all about it. She's here in her sessions. Her sessions are very good. But then you ask, you keep going and say, okay, well, I get that, but who's, is there, who's the creator? Who's the designer? They would say, no, there's, there's no creator. There's no designer in this thing. Everything that exists and everything about you is actually an evolutionary accident, okay? Then we get to the last one. Where am I going? This question of destiny. And I know that culture has the complete answer to this. And they would say, well, I think heaven is for everyone, they may say. Or they may say something like, you know, different parts of our culture may say, well, I think, I think that the good people go to heaven, okay? So do you think the bad people go to hell? Well, I don't know. It's very difficult to think about something as bad as hell. So I choose not to, all right? That might be the response that you get, okay? Uh, and so we have these questions and we get these answers and we have on the one hand, the Christian idea worldview kind of framework that I've set up for you before. And I know there's a couple of other guys speaking about worldview stuff. Uh, I, would, I would recommend those. It's good to think about these things. Uh, and then we have on the, to contrast, we have kind of the American culture definition of, of what some of these things look like. Uh, the problem is once you keep asking questions, things start to break down. So let me give you some examples uh, of this. What are the next level of questions that we ask? Okay, what am I living for? What's worth dying for? 
Does any of this really matter? Why do bad things happen? Which we talked about last night. So when we ask these, what do we do with all this and how does our worldview, how does, okay, not ours, because I think we kind of discussed some of that. How does this American culture worldview that I mentioned, how does that answer these questions and what that looks like? Well, let's go back to the framework and look at it with a little more scrutiny because I presented what I feel is kind of, or what I think rather is a straightforward definition that I think most people adopting that cultural view would agree with. And so let me try to show the, and expose the cracks that are in that. All right, back, back to our chart here. The question of who am I? Question of identity. And we said, well, sorry. Well, I'm defined by the people who love me. Well, okay, but what if those people aren't there? You know, what if you don't have those people? Then who are you? Then what are you all about? Okay, well, I'm defined by these different groups that I belong to. Well, okay, what if those groups reject you and say, we don't want you? You know, no homers allowed. What then? You can't sit with us. Because on Wednesdays we were pink, see? What do you do then? What about the second one? Why am I here? You know, you have your meaning, you have your purpose, and you say, well, this is my purpose, this is my meaning. Okay, my question is, what if nobody cares? Is there a more heart-wrenching feeling than when you do something for somebody and they just don't care? It's worse than if they hate it, right? If they don't care. What about the origin question? Well, we just said there's no creator. There's no, nobody at the beginning of it. There's no designer. You kind of come from nothing. What about the fourth one there, your destiny? Well, you say heaven is for everyone, okay? Well, then where do the murderers, where do the abusers go? Are they gonna go to heaven? Do they automatically get some kind of lobotomy that makes them no longer murderers and abusers? Okay, well, only the good people go to heaven. Okay, who decides? Who decides who the good people are? Say, well, oh, come on. People know what things are good and people know what things are bad and, um, you know, we just kind of roll along like that. Really? think the way that our culture operates is that individuals decide what's good and what's evil. That's what's taught, at least. You don't believe me. There's a movie a number of years about, a number of years ago, called Frozen. We all remember it. Don't sing. Don't you dare. <laughs> Although I'm going to reference one of the songs. Overall, I liked the film. I thought it had a good message, and that is that we have the the... The family love, you know, between the two daughters, uh, you know, overcame their adversity and uh, they, they overcame it together. And I think that was a really good message. Um, but right there at the end of the first act in Frozen, we have the, the song that Elsa sings. Don't sing it, but I am going to say lyrics from it. All right. Now remember this, a culture, the question is, well, what are we going to do about good and evil, right and wrong? 
it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Okay, we, this is a children's movie, a children's song. And we're telling them and putting forth this philosophy, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. So I go back to this. Well, how do we know? How do we know the difference between right and wrong, good and evil? And so we came up with this thing called social contract theory, which is, well, we kind of collectively as a society decide what's right and what's wrong. We take the things that we agree on and then we set up our rules and our laws and those are the things that govern our society, that govern our culture. Well, okay. So what if I don't agree? I'm me. I get to decide, don't I? How does a social contract work on a cosmic scale? If we're deciding between heaven and hell, we, we got we to have something to, 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 to explain that to us. Okay, absent an objective understanding of good and evil, there can't be a heaven and there can't be a hell. And actually, the existence of hell makes more sense to me than the existence of heaven. You know? So, in the way we set this up then, you came from nothing... You're headed nowhere. And if you came from nothing, and if you're headed nowhere, then what's the point? And who cares about any of it? You see the problem with this worldview, okay? So what I want for you guys is for you to keep asking questions because the answer is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except by me. Thanks for your time. I'll answer your questions. Do you have some, do you have some for me, Mr. Lieb? Okay. We'll take some from the audience as well. Uh, we got done uh, early enough to where we can answer some of them. So if you want to raise your hand, you can do it that way too. If they come in on uh, one, of the, one of the devices there, We'll keep you anonymous. How's that? Yes, sir. Can we get a together? We'll get a picture together afterwards, okay? If you want to shake my hand, we'll do that afterwards also, okay? So this is not Ben Shapiro destroys here. That's not what we're doing. Okay? Yes? Uh-huh. Yeah, so the question is, uh, if we could, should keep asking questions, is it okay to ask questions about our faith and in places where there's interpretation of scripture and things of that nature? Yeah, I think you should. I think you should research all sides of an issue and understand uh, where they're coming from and, and, and then use that in your determination of you know, the best reading of things. You know, for example, uh, in reading a text of scripture, okay? I would go to, you know, what is the best literal definition of this from the original language, okay? Uh, and then 
You wanna find out? Okay, so what were the cultural issues surrounding this during that time? And then what can we learn from that about our culture right now and how it speaks into our culture, okay? Now, even within that, you're gonna find different opinions about that. But I would point to kind of the two frameworks that I've put forward for you and say, okay, which one, what's our starting point in this interpretation, okay? And the original framework that I gave you, that kind of biblical worldview idea, uh, that's always gonna be my starting point because I believe that's the Bible's starting point and, and that's God's starting point. So yeah, I think, you should, I think you should read a lot. I do, not as much as I'd like to, all right? Other questions? It's more fun if you ask questions. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's see here. I can't read this, David. <laughs> what? What are you? Okay. It's okay. Thank you, guys. We appreciate your patience. We're trying to find a good way to do this with you. Okay. Tell you what, I can just do it. Thank you very much for your help, David. Let's give a hand for David, please. Okay, that was actually for uh, one of these that I did in 2014, so. Uh, oh, we did, we did have one that popped up. Okay. But... Okay, I think it's fake news. Sorry about that. All right, any other questions, comments? Oh, somebody said one. Hi. <laughs> All right. You know, I did just see what... Oh, man. I'm sorry, guys, that we're... I'm failing you here because some have come in, but they're not popping up on the screen like they should. Maybe they're at the bottom, not at the bottom. Should we always try to connect philosophies and theories to God? Uh, I think that any philosophy and theory that's out there, you can have a biblical perspective on it. So anytime that I am posed with a, th with a philosophical question, right? I'm gonna start from my... Christian worldview framework, and I'm going to use that to view that philosophy, okay? So, um, you know, the Greeks, uh, Greek philosophers, their philosophy was not based on a Christian worldview, okay? So, in places where they make good points about morality and things of that nature, which, which is, you know, the basis of Western civilization, uh, we would say, well, you're right, these are some things that are moral and good, but they're moral and good because God says they're moral and good, not because we say they're moral and good. And so you wanna have that basis that underlies it and it's based in, in scripture and, and God's revelation, okay? Uh, we have kind of, the way I like to explain it, we have two kinds of revelation, right? And your pastor may have explained your terms a little bit different. It's the same thing, okay? Uh, there is, on the one hand, general revelation. Uh, and that, nobody got that. 
general revelation. Uh, and that is uh, what's available to all people, all times, all places. So this is things like God's creation. Everybody can see it. Um, when your, you know, when your sister has a baby and you see the baby and you say, she is beautiful. Well, that tells you something about God, right? That tells you that God is beautiful. When you go to a waterfall, we went to a waterfall a couple of days ago. Um, I took, I went down this, I got lost uh, basically. Uh, but you see waterfall and you see it crashing down onto the rocks below, right? And you see the power there. What does that tell us about God? Well, it tells us that God is powerful, see? So that's general revelation. And then we also have special revelation, which is these are um, individual ways that, ooh, they're popping in. These are ways that God speaks to us that are for kind of a specific group of people, but can become more widespread as time goes on, right? Angels appearing to Mary and to Joseph and to the wise men, okay? Or the dream, interpretive dreams, these things are happening, right? Special revelation, it's only for those people, but then we find out about them and it tells us about God, right? Um, the Bible, of course, this is God speaking through men to give us his word. Now, certainly it's available to anybody who gets it, which is why we're so down with organizations like the Lutheran Bible Translators. You should see their booth, they're awesome people. And they are dedicated, man, to getting God's word to people who haven't heard it yet because it is special revelation, see? Uh, and then of course, Jesus Christ, his life. That's a special revelation, right? God becoming man, walking amongst us, dying and rising to save us, see? What color is the sky? Like, seriously, I'm colorblind. Oh man, I'm sorry. It is blue. I'm told it has to do with light reflection and things like that, right? Yeah, so uh, when I look up in the sky, when it's not cloudy, it's blue. So my basic answer is gonna be blue. Yeah, it's the same color as my eyes. Yeah, okay. <sighs> what are your thoughts on homosexuality? Oh, you gave me the easy one. Thanks, guys. There are sessions on this, uh, and you can hear some a little more than that. Uh, here's what I believe, okay? Uh, I believe that God created marriage for a man and a woman. I, I think that's just the, that's the reading of the text of the Bible in its original languages. Uh, and so I think that any sexual contact outside of one man, one woman, one flesh, one lifetime, which is what marriage is as God designs it, uh, is sinful, okay? That means that... Uh, homosexual, that means, I'll start here. That means that heterosexual sex outside of marriage is wrong and is sinful, okay? That means that homosexual sex outside of marriage is sinful, okay? Now, I keep saying marriage. Yes, I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman because that's what the Bible says about it, okay? And in talking about it, marriage, Paul goes all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 to explain it, see? Uh, when God created the man and the woman. And so it goes from there, okay? Now, this does not give us the right or license to be cruel or, you know, to use words that are derogatory and inflammatory toward people to which we disagree about this, okay? Because when I talked about identity, 
Uh, if you've talked with people in the gay community, you will see that this thing of identity with being gay, they put that very high on the list as far as it defines who they are. And I want to, I'm speaking in generalities, and so I'm using pronouns. I'll say they. I hope you guys understand people are individuals. And so you should talk to individuals about that and see where they're at. But I've got, I've got, the, uh, I've got the straight conservative biblical worldview on this one, okay? Okay, so the question is, uh, 1 Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind, and uh, does that mean, in, based on what I've just said, does that mean that homosexuality is not love? Um, good question. Uh, I, I would say that um, a couple of different things, and I, I need to brush up on my, I need to look at the Greek text a little bit. Uh, so I believe if I've got a pastor in the room, you can correct me. Uh, but the first Corinthians passage of love is patient, love is kind, I believe that's agape, is that correct? Okay. Uh, so agape love is the unconditional love that God has for his children, okay? Uh, and so I would liken it, it, it is a different kind of love than, uh, for example, a husband has for a wife, that brothers have for each other, a brotherly love, of, uh, and, and uh, the other one. Uh, that that uh, store gay love, uh, and so um, I don't I don't know that I would say it in those terms to say that like this is not love. Uh, I would say that our supreme example of love is what we see from Jesus on the cross. Uh, I think that we do see love, uh, and love is also described, and we see the relationship described between Jesus and the church. Right as Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride, right? Uh, and so that, that kind of love is what's being talked about in 1 Corinthians, okay? That uh, the husband would love his wife the way Christ loved the church, okay? Now, in our day and time, okay, for example, what did Jesus, okay, what did Jesus do? How much did Jesus love the church? Jesus loved the church so much that Jesus died for the church, right? Now, in our, you know, 2019, you know, we don't have wars running in the streets and, and things of that nature, okay? In our culture, a husband will very rarely be called upon to die for his wife and children, right? This doesn't happen, but every husband is called to live for his wife and live for his children, to live for his family. And that's how a husband carries out um, that, that command, okay? Yeah, so I, I didn't fully answer your question, but I kind of, I, kind of, I, would, I would approach it in a different way, okay? Uh, let, me, let me do some, some things here. Let me try to pull some up. How can you say God is real with no physical evidence other than faith? Okay, listen, at its base, anytime we talk about these spiritual matters, uh, faith does come into the equation, I would push back on you and say this though, people who reject the existence of God, they do so also by faith, see? Uh, because if, if, if they tell us, well, it's on you to prove that God exists, I could say, well, no, it's on you to prove that God does not exist. And, and, and they would say, well, well, really, I don't think that that's the correct way to define it. I'd say, okay, well, look, we're here. How did we get here? Explain it to me. And they'll say, well, 
and I, I don't want to make light of this, but, you know, they'll say, well, there was, this, there was a big bang a long time ago. And I was like, how big was it? And I was like, it was really, really big. Okay, well, how do you know? Were you there? Well, no, I wasn't there. Was anybody there? Well, nobody was there. Well, it was really, really big, though, see? So, right? So there is a level of faith that exists that, that they have to be willing to believe what they believe, see? Uh, and so I would push back on the existence of faith question and say, look, Everybody believes something. Everybody believes something. Okay? Yeah. Let's keep going here. But doesn't God forgive everyone even if they may not love their opposite sex? Okay. So listen. When uh, Jesus was here, you recall, and this happens over and over again in the Gospels, right? The Pharisees, Jesus' kind of main opponent, they're always kind of throwing out questions to him. They're trying to trap him, trying to trick him and, and all this other stuff. Uh, and they come, and Jesus, whenever he talks to them, because they come and say, well, look, I'm, I'm a son of Abraham. You know, I tithe. I go to synagogue every time when I'm supposed to, okay? Uh, Jesus says, first of all, you tithe out of your spice rack. Actual story, it's in there. Uh, and he says, second of all, you guys are talking all about the things that you do. What I talk about over and over again, and Jesus does this, man, he talks about what's going on in your heart, see? And so our dedication and devotion to Jesus, Jesus wants to know not what we do, but he wants to know what's in our hearts, okay? So if you're in your heart, out of your heart, you are committing sinful acts. Those are sinful acts that come out of a sinful heart, and those are sins that need to be confessed and that you need to be absolved of and you need to go and sin no more. Once again, that goes for homosexual acts, that goes for heterosexual acts outside of the, the gift of marriage that God has given, um, that goes for pornography and masturbation. It, it's everything. The uh, actual, the word when it talks about this, you'll, you'll read in your scripture the word uh, sexual immorality, right? And which in the Greek is porneia, okay? And it is a junk drawer term that means everything except what God says and has called you to do and has given to you. So, well, what about, yeah, that? Yeah, okay. Guys, I'm gonna do as mean as I can. I'm already, I'm up against it here. We've got about five minutes left, Okay. Should we, always, should we always try to connect philosophies and theories? Oh, I already did that one. But why only connect the good things to God and never the bad? Uh, okay, so I would say, and I would push, I would point back a little bit to the idea of faith, okay? Uh, however, uh, I, would, I would say this, that God created everything that's good and Satan and his demons and us, we corrupt that which is good. Okay, so if the fundamental question here is, is God good? Or how do we know that God is good and, and that God is not evil? Uh, you know, that's, and that's kind of an Eastern philosophy idea, right? That there's yin and there's yang and they're, they kind of exist together and they're supposed to be together and they're supposed to be in kind of a balance. Uh, but instead, uh, what we learn about God is that God is good, okay? Uh, is that something that we accept by faith? Uh, yes. I would say, though, that what evil is is a corruption of that which is good, okay? 
And, and that's when we see these difficult things. I keep going, are the end times near? Some people have made pretty good arguments that it is near. Okay, good, good, good question. And uh, I tell you what, man, and I, I don't know, I think me and my friends kind of joke about this a little bit who are pastors and, because um, sometimes it does feel like it's just never been worse. And I, I think though that every generation feels that way. Uh, the generation before us, well, I'll say two generations ago, my grandparents' generation uh, who fought the Nazis, like in the midst of that war when Western civilization hangs in the balance and the alternatives are either the Nazis are gonna win or we're gonna lose and then the communist, Rus atheist Russians are gonna take over the whole world, which is probably what would have happened. That feels pretty close to the end, right? But then we fast forward 70 years and here we are and... Everybody seemingly hates each other and, and um, depending on who you listen to, uh, it do, none of it matters because the world's gonna be gone in 12 years anyway because we're gonna burn it up. So is it worse than it's ever been? Um, I don't know. Here's what I do and, and, and here's what you do, okay? Um, when you go take communion, and a lot of you in your churches, you take communion and then at the end of it, uh, we sing a song, we sing Simeon's song, and we sing, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation. All right? That's taken from Simeon's prayer in the gospel of Luke, I believe, where he sees the baby Jesus and then he sings and he prays, God, I have seen your salvation in this baby and now I'm ready to go home. And so when you sing that after you've received Christ's body and blood and his forgiveness, you're telling the Lord, Lord, if it's your will, I'm ready to go. And I'm not scared of death. And I'm here for the time that I'm here. But if it's time, then, then take me. Now, what did Paul say in Philippians 1.21, right? To live is Christ and to die is gain. Yeah, so are we near the end times? I don't know. Um, I, I'm ready. I want you guys to be ready. I want your friends. I want your family to be ready. I'll do one more, okay? How do I connect with someone I can't see? Speaking about God, I'm sure. Um, here's what I would say. I would say, first of all, prayer. I would say community, Christian community, the kind of thing that we're doing here, all right? And I really enjoyed last night because we hit this on a, on a multitude of levels, right? We hit the mind because we had good speaking, good teaching, okay? We hit the heart because we had emotional singing and, and in, in taking part in that. It's the whole body, we had, we jumped around, right? And we, well, some people danced, maybe they shouldn't have, let's be honest. Um, so, right, so this is the whole thing. So these are all ways that go into how we can experience a God that we don't see. And so I would say that there's that. I would say as well that God reveals himself to us in his word. I'm gonna say one prayer, guys. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed my time with you. Uh, I'm gonna pray. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, guys.
So giving me that look. So I'll pray and, uh, and we'll go. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much uh, for this day, for this gathering, for the folks that are here. Uh, I ask, Lord, uh, that you would be with each of them. Uh, I pray, Lord, if they have questions that are still on their hearts, uh, that uh, they would bring them to you, that they would bring them to pastors, teachers, leaders, uh, Lord, uh, and that you would answer for them. Uh, Lord, uh, be with each of them in their hearts. I pray for their continued faith in you. Uh, I pray, Lord, for each of them, for their futures. Uh, and I ask, Lord, uh, that you would give them your blessing. And it's for your beautiful name. Amen.